This is season four of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show, we're going to talk about animals, history, a little science, and some dreams. Yes, you're assuming that we're going to be dreaming during the show. No. Also, news from around the world, and we'll open up the mailbag. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode four. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. In 2011, Daryl Gwynn of the University of Toronto was among the team who won the IG Nobel Prize for biology for their work on beetles that mistook certain beer bottles for females of their own species. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the male, Julodarmorpha Bakewelly, was observed attempting to copulate with beer bottles because the color and reflection of the tubercles, those little bumps on the on the bottom of the bottles of the glass of the uh, mm-hmm. of the beer, mm-hmm. they yep. thought they were their female counterparts, and it caused an attraction and release of sexual behavior. So these the, these beetles loved the beer bottles. Yeah, there was a Friday night one time. I was a little drunk and. Uh... <laughs> That's a hospital story. But anyway, when a star dies, it implodes and collapses on itself, giving rise to a neutron star. The result of this collapse is the densest material in the universe. It becomes so dense that one teaspoon would weigh six billion tons. Let me say that again. Six billion tons. That's what happens when a neutron star collapses. And by the way, one is doing it in a distant um, universe, uh, a distant um, galaxy. uh, Galaxy. Thank you for that uh, moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little dense, if you ask me. (laughs) So using radar to spot polar bears along the frosty coast of Hudson Bay, way up north in Canada, hundreds of polar bears have been wandering for weeks waiting for their wintertime sea ice to form so they can return to hunting ringed seals. Until then, they represent a danger to the 900 people living in nearby Churchill. It's a remote subarctic town here in Canada, where I am. The town is working on a plan to prevent conflicts between hungry bears and humans using a new radar system that can watch and warn when a bear approaches and do so in a snowstorm and during the dead of night. We will find you. Wow. Did you ever crack a glass, like a, a, a drinking glass? You crack it and you see the break, like you see the line as it's breaking. Mm. Well, you don't really see it because it's going so fast. Well, scientists have checked the speed at which glass cracks at. Ready? 3,000 miles per hour. Whoa. So the speed of sound is 767 miles per hour. So that's really fast. And in fact, that cracking noise you hear is the sound barrier being broken. Wow. Isn't so, that crazy? It is. So when someone smashes a glass over your head, that's what you're, you're breaking the sound barrier. Yes. Yes. And my head at the same time. <laughs> <the same> <laughs> So this is an appealing piece of information. Four Japanese scientists measure the amount of friction between a shoe, the floor, and a banana peel. 
Ah. Right? The force transducer and with six degrees of freedom was set under a flat panel of linoleum, in case you want to try this at home. Both frictional force and vertical force were simultaneously measured during a shoe sole that was pushed and rubbed by a foot on the panel with banana skin. Are you peeling a banana? Hold on. You're peeling a banana right now. (laughs) Are you going to put it under your foot? So I got one right here. So the Japanese scientist (laughs) measured the frictional coefficient was about 0.07. Are you enjoying that banana right now? I wish that that scientist had placed that banana somewhere else and we could have measured the friction. (laughs) (laughs) That's why this was an appealing bit of information. Mm -hmm. I believe we predicted on past shows that the earth was going to be too hot to live on. Right. Global warming. Right. No, Al Gore. The (laughs) sun is moving closer. It's not us. These morons think it's us that's creating global warming. It's not. The sun is moving closer. In fact, in 2.3 billion years from now, the sun will pretty much vaporize the earth. No life will be able to live on it, and it will just be a floating rock in space. Yes. So no matter what we do, it's not going to change it. So live it up. Go take a drive. Run your car at night and make out in it. Yeah. <laughs> or make out with a beer bottle. Uh, <laughs> so here's some and a banana. And a banana. You do the math. <laughs> so here's some scientific help. There's an actual hotline that filmmakers can call for science advice in order to incorporate accurate science into their films. It's the Science and Entertainment Exchange. It's a program that connects entertainment industry professionals with top scientists and engineers to create a synergy between accurate science and engaging storylines in both film and television programming. So previously, I I was talking about the sun moving closer. Right. Well, how far away actually is the sun? Get ready for this. I had no idea. But 93 million miles Now, that's insane. I didn't think it was 93 million miles. That's 150 million kilometers for you, Canuckies. Thank you. It takes light 8 minutes and 19 seconds to reach us at 186 miles per second. Wow. Okay? And we we, we sit back and we feel the heat when you're sitting. Think about that. You sit on the beach. You look up at the sun. You feel the heat radiating from the sun, and it's 93 million miles away. How hot? That's some hot balls. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of hot and steamy, you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Animals, 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 crazy animals. Crazy animals. You upstaged the kitty cat. She's going to get pissed. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, the the macaque monkey steals what? items. The macaque. You talking about macaque again? <laughs> macaque monkey steals <laughs> items for food. There's a paper published in the Royal Society of Science Journal studied monkeys at a temple in Bali, Indonesia, who frequently stole items from humans. Their bags, hats, sunglasses, tablets, and phones. And they would hold them ransom in exchange for offerings of food, okay? <laughs> it found adult white long-tailed macaque monkeys were intelligent enough 
to comprehend which items had the highest value to the visitors and would only mm-hmm. release it after receiving food they perceived to be of corresponding value. Oh, my God. You know, I had one of those monkeys. And, Did you? You know, like any parent, I was proud of my cock. <laughs> you, took <it> every, <laughs> you took it every way you went. <laughs> Woo, yeah. okay. Polar bears. When they meet, they actually touch noses. Uh, right? Yeah. So if you see a polar bear, touch noses, and then it'll rip your face off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if they rub noses and one of them has a runny nose, would you consider that a wet kiss? Yeah, but you know what, Nick? It's so funny because I, I, even when I was reading it, it said so cute. Polar bears touch noses when they meet. Uh, so cute. Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> polar bears going to rip your face off. Okay? <laughs> it's just that simple. Nothing cute about a grizzly or a polar bear. No. Nothing. And then they'll lick, they lick your wound when they're done with you. Oh yeah, they'll lick it. They'll eat your whole head off. Yeah, <laughs> mm, yeah. The Boccaccio. I'd rather play. I'd rather play with my cock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hold it ransom for food. Uh, the Boccaccio rockfish were native to Canada's Pacific coast and have listed as critically endangered since 1996. They are listed under the Government of Canada Species at Risk Act. How straightforward that is. The fish have a slimy pink or brown color with spines on their backs, so they're quite ugly. Many rockfish do not get the chance to reproduce before they're caught because Boccaccio rockfish reproduce four or five years into their lives. Maybe it has something to do with how ugly they are. Anyway, uh, because they're being overfished, they are really, really are in danger of being extinct. However, they are making a comeback. So they're trying. This is a little battle going back and forth in the Pacific Ocean. I was reading this thing about snakes. They're one of the few animals that eat dead, decomposing animals. Most animals won't do that. Right. But snakes will kind of look and go, okay, uh, five-minute rule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they eat these decomposing things. And while the decomposing animal is decomposing in the snake's stomach, sometimes it bursts because of the constriction of the snake. And the methane gas escapes. It escapes through the snake's mouth and explodes as fire. (laughs) Now, listen, that's happened to me after eating some broccoli and getting too close to the stove. (laughs) That's a hot meal. (laughs) Boom. So basically what you're saying is what you're saying after hearing that is that snakes fart through their mouths. Pretty much. (laughs) There's an image. Kangaroos can learn to communicate with humans similar to how domesticated dogs do. They use their gaze to point for help. And researchers did this study involving 11 kangaroos who lived in captivity that had not been domesticated. Ten of the 11 marsupials, by the way, intently gazed at researchers when they were unable to open a box of food. Nine alternatively looked at the human and the container as a way of pointing and gesturing towards the object. So we're basically communicating with humans. And once they open up the box, it made them really hoppy. <laughs> happy, happy. Well, I got something about rabbits and parrots. There you go. Rabbits and parrots, okay. oh my. Yeah, this will make you happy. Okay, rabbits and parrots can see behind themselves without moving their heads. So they can actually see behind them. They have that type of peripheral vision. 
So the scientist that was doing this study was so excited about it. I said, big deal. So could my mom in the car. (laughs) (laughs) She could see what was going on in the back seat and she could disjoint her arm and whack us with it as well. (laughs) So my mom was cooler than rabbits and parrots which today could be construed as child abuse. <laughs> oh, yeah. The stuff that our parents got away with. But we, we are well-disciplined, which is why you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. While male <laughs> lions attract their fair share of attention thanks to their impressive manes, it's the female lions who do the bulk of the work when it comes to feeding their families. Lionesses, not male lions, do the majority of hunting for their pride. Lionesses hunt around 90% of the time while the males protect their pride. I got my pride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know, and this is, this is not a lie, this is not a joke, the national animal of Scotland is the unicorn. <laughs> and the men wear dresses. Need I say more? <laughs> the Scots need to stay away from the Scotch whiskey. They're out of their minds. Yeah. <laughs> and they better not start kissing snakes either. No, no, not at all. You're listening to totally useless information. I'll tell you, you know what, though, yeah. Nick? I used to wear a kilt and, and I could, you know, go around with my macaque. <laughs> is that I'd hide a, him under the kilt. Is that a unicorn under your kilt or you're just happy to see me? You're listening. <laughs> You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. (laughs) And now it's time for Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy as they present Dreams. Wake up. Wake up. Dreams. Yeah. Welcome. Wake up. Wake up. It's your turn. <laughs> what do you got? I got scientists believe that babies dream in the womb. Oh. Mostly sounds and touch sensations they believe go through their minds. They lack visual stimulation because they haven't seen anything yet. Okay. Did you have a daydream or do you still continue to daydream? What was that you said? Are you a daydream believer? Do you believe in daydreams? Daydreaming is classified as a level of consciousness between sleep and wakefulness. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Studies show that you have the (laughs) tendency to daydream an average of 70 to 120 minutes a day. It occurs during waking hours when you let your imagination carry you away. As your mind begins to wander and your level of awareness decreases, you lose yourself in your imagined scenario and fantasy. Roy? Hello? I'm sorry. Did you say something? No. (laughs) No. Plato, the Greek scientist and philosopher, said that dreams originated in the organs of the belly. In fact, he said the liver was the seat of all dreams. Sounds like he was thinking with something that he was sitting on himself instead of his brain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And if he had uh, some sautéed onions, he'd have lunch. <laughs> yeah. If you're ever dreaming of a recurring dream over and over and over again, recurring dreams repeat themselves. Well, of course they would. That's why they call it recurring dreams. Totally with- useless information. <laughs> Thank you. With Nick and Roy. With very little variation in the story or theme. These dreams may be positive, but most often they're nightmarish in content. 
Dreams mm. may occur because a conflict depicted in the dream remains unresolved or ignored. Once you find a resolution to the problem, your recurring dreams will cease. I have this recurring dream that I keep typing on the keyboard, www.nickandroy.com, www.nickandroy.com. Wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Com. I had the same dream, www.nickandroy.com. That's the same recurring dream I have. Wow. Yep. Okay. Nickandroy.com. Okay. Ellis Howe said that the inspiration for the sewing machine came from a nightmarish dream oh. that he was being attacked by cannibals with spears that looked like the needles that he would later design to use on the sewing machine. It was just like a dream when, when he woke up, he realized it was really just his wife stabbing him with knitting needles. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. That happened to me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you're dreaming of sailing, uh, to dream you're sailing represents how your life is going and how you're able to handle life's problems. You are in control of your life. The dream may be a metaphor that things are smooth sailing. If you are sailing through the rough seas, that means that you will overcome life's difficulties. If you are sailing against the wind, then it indicates that you are experiencing some struggles in your waking life. One of the West African group tribes, the Ashanti, take dreams so seriously that they will allow one man to take legal action against another for having an erotic dream about their wife or woman. Can you imagine? That's funny, too, because today I received a letter in the mail. I'm being sued by Heidi Klum's husband. <laughs> <laughs> Again? <laughs> you're right now if you're dreaming that um you're at a valet it indicates that you're lacking your own direction in life you're always helping others with their goals the dream that a valet parks your car suggests that you're letting other people dictate your direction in life or you're putting the goals of others ahead of your own Wow. You know, maybe if you dream you're in the jungle, you're dreaming about macaque. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Macaque. And now for something completely useless. Something completely useless, mm -hmm. which is pretty much the whole show. Yes. Okay. This just in... <laughs> a duck's quack doesn't echo a bunch of scientists found this out what a bunch of quacks they are we get stuck with the bill for this scientific study mm -hmm. no pun intended <laughs> the bill yeah but it's science, you know, the science. Don't question the science, Nick. Put on a mask. <laughs> yeah. No, really, honestly, ducks quacks do not echo, even in situations where your voice would echo. Yeah. And on top of that, if you really disagree with that, you're really ruffling some feathers. <laughs> if you like it's to the science, Nick. It's the science. <laughs> if you'd like to communicate with us, it's easy to do. Go to our website, www.nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? 
And today's mailbag comes from Bill from Orangeville, Ontario, right here in Canada. Dear Nick and Roy, we love listening to your show. Since our family is in a stay-at-home situation, I love my family, but sometimes they just drive me crazy. So I find that I need to escape for a few minutes, so I sneak into the car in the garage and bring my phone with me and download your show on the iHeartRadio app. So thank you. Thanks for keeping me sane. You guys are a couple of smart Alex. Thank you. So I thought, what are smart Alex? Where did that phrase come from? Well, in the 1840s, there lived a man named Alec Hogue. He would use prostitutes to lure men into hotel rooms. While the men were busy with their prostitutes, he would sneak into the room and rob them by taking their money from their pants. He would brag about this around the city. And he'd go on and on and brag, and he would do this for a long time until finally the police arrested him. They gave him the nickname that described as an intelligent and cocky person, Smart Alec. Alec Hogue. So it was him the whole time taking my money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Send us an email. We read it on, on the show, and it will, uh, we'll profile you. Thank you very much for listening. I got one I got, I got to tell you. Yeah. This was given to me by um, Tony V. Give him a shout-out. Tony V., yeah. really cool guy. Yeah. He actually sent me this on an email, and I thought it was amazing. The okay. You know, it's probably the most used used term anywhere. Okay. Okay. All right. So where did OK come from? Martin Van Buren. Martin Van Buren worked for President Andrew Jackson. He was a real skeevy guy. He came from a place in New York by Albany called Old Kinderhook. OK. And Martin Van Buren was so up Jackson's rear end all the time that they used to call him Old Kinderhook. And then to make a joke out of it, they'd say, Okay, old Kinderhook. And they would say it so much that it stuck. And the letters okay became a symbol of, yeah, I heard you. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so on and so forth. So that's where okay came from. I just had to say that. Thank you, Tony. Thank you very much. Tony V, it was okay of you to join our show by visiting www.nickandroy.com. What's in the mail? Foggy outcome shortly before the First World War, Horatio Bottomley's, a politician who was himself a racehorse owner, hit an audacious scheme to make his dream come true. He was a swindler, and his ploy was simple. He would not only own every horse participating in the race, he would also make sure that they finished in the exact predetermined order. The jockeys were strictly instructed about the plan, and, and Bottomley's associates in England laid heavy bets on the exact finishing order. The way everything was going seemed to indicate that Bottomley would end up winning a fortune. But disaster struck midway through the race. A thick sea mist, some fog swept over the course, and the jockeys got hopelessly out of touch with each other. They crossed the finish line in a jumble. And much to Bottomley's dismay, ending up losing his fortune. <laughs> Good for him, that yeah, Bottomsley up. <laughs> the UK government, the the English government, collected postcards as intelligence 
during World War II for the D-Day invasion. They used these French postcards for the pictures of the beaches and so on so that they could see what the area looked like that they were going to invade. So just think about that. It was before like, you know, satellite photo and stuff like that. So they used the postcards as pictures. When the troops got there, they were shocked to find the German army. They thought they would encounter hundreds of French women in bikinis. <laughs> so they had no guns. What they brought with them were condoms and chocolate bars. No, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there no, you go. Can you imagine? They had no photos of the beaches of Normandy, so they used old French postcards to see what the beach looked like. That's amazing. Wish you were here. Uh, <laughs> never the twain. Glad you got there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Never the Otherwise, you don't be speaking German and worshiping Heidi Klum. <laughs> <laughs> like you. Never the twain shall meet. Two twains left New York. No, just kidding. Mark Twain <laughs> was born on November 30th, 1835. He was born shortly after Halley's Comet appeared. He thought that he had a connection to Halley's Comet and said that the next time the comet appears in 1910, he'd be expected to go out with it. Well, Twain died on April 21st, 1910, the day after Halley's Comet returned. Well, maybe that's where that Hellbop group got their thing from, you know? Maybe. Could be, could be. Yeah. Marcus Crassus was a super wealthy Roman general. He was the Bill Gates of his time. Mm -hmm. Well, he finally lost a battle to the Parthians, and he was killed. But what they did was they poured, because he was this rich guy and they all knew who he was, he was this general, they took hot molten gold and poured it down his throat to make a joke out of him for his thirst for wealth. They liquefied the gold and poured it down his throat. Ooh. And then he woke back up and said, hey, can you give me a silver chaser with that? <laughs> <laughs> or some Tums. Marie Blanchard was the first female aeronaut. She was married to Jean-Pierre Blanchard, the first male aeronaut, the first person to cross the English Channel by balloon. Sadly, he suffered a heart attack and fell out of his balloon. She <laughs> Wait a minute. It's serious. I don't know why that's funny, but it is. <laughs> okay. But she decided to keep flying in the hot air balloon. She flew at night so she can display fireworks in mid-flight. She insisted, by the way, the balloon be filled with hydrogen gas. You see where this is going? On July mm -hmm. 7, 1819, she was flying over Paris when one of the fireworks ignited the hydrogen and the balloon exploded. She managed to land on the roof of the building, by the way, so she survived until she slid off the roof and onto the street where she died of a broken neck. <laughs> so she, this was history's first female aeronaut dying as well as her husband, the first male aeronaut, in a balloon accident. Yeah, which means not. Era not. Not, yes. <laughs> in World War II, the Americans dropped 2.7 million tons of bombs on Germany. Did you hear that? 2.7 million tons. Yeah. Did you know till this day, before you can ex excavate to build in Germany, they need to check the ground for unexploded ordinances because so many of the bombs didn't actually go off and they just are in the ground now. And if you go to dig, you blow yourself up. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> that, 
That's how my wife, that's kind of like, I guess, the way my wife feels when she walks into the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, like an unexpected uh, ordinance exploded. And, and, and you are German. In 1849, there lived a criminal whose name was William Thompson. He could walk up to strangers in New York City and ask them, have you confidence in me and trust me with your watch until tomorrow? When they said yes, he took their watch and, of course, he never returned it. He was he did this for the longest time, but he was eventually caught. Prosecutors referred to him as confidence man. And because it didn't fit in the headlines in the papers at the time, they shortened it to con man. Cool. There you go. In 1386, a pig was executed in France. Oh, the pig in question had attacked a child who later died. The pig was arrested, jailed, tried and found guilty. And he was Sentenced to death. He was executed. I guess you could say the jury brought home the bacon. Or maybe they pork chopped his head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, what do you call a, a pig who goes to one of those massage parlors? What? Pulled pork. That's what, <laughs> you know, week, one time I brought macaque to the there you go. massage parlor with me. <laughs> All right. So today we did some history, some animals, some dreams, and some history. It's now time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. 29-year-old Jenna Howell of San Diego, California, was running from some shady characters on a high-speed train, and her fiancé told her, Quick, hide your engagement ring fast. Howell popped off the ring and swallowed it. She woke suddenly and then realized that it was just a dream and dozed off again. But the next morning, she noticed that her left hand was bare. Oh, no. After a trip to the ER and an X-ray confirmed that she actually downed the diamond ring in her sleep. But don't worry, thankfully, the doctors were able to fish it out. That's all the time we have for this week's episode. We'll scour the internet to find you more useless information for next time. So till then, you tell a friend about the trend and go to www.nickandroy.com. Three W's, nickandroy.com, and leave us a, a little note and we'll put you on the show. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening.